You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Valentine's Views podcast for Wednesday, January 4th, as the uh, New York Giants continue to celebrate making the playoffs for the first time since 2016 and get ready for their season ending game on Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, here to help me uh, discuss how this happened for your 2022-2023 New York Giants is Patricia Trena of Giants Country. Patty, how you doing? And uh, thanks for hopping on. No problem doing well. Happy New Year to everybody. Hey, and uh, to you and yours as well, Patty. Hey, you know, we're coming up to a week 18 game and two or three weeks ago, we would have both said, you know, this is going to be a really significant football game, but we both would have thought that it would be a really significant football game for the New York Giants. Don't think I ever would have figured three weeks ago that this game would have no meaning for the Giants who are already locked into a playoff spot and have all sorts of meaning for the Eagles. I mean, just how how absurd is that at this point in the year? It's deja vu if you think about it, because back in 2007, same situation. The Giants had locked up a playoff spot. Regardless of their game against the Patriots, what, what, what they did, it wouldn't have changed. And then you had the Patriots. The game meant a little bit more to them because they were trying to keep their undefeated streak alive. So it's deja vu all over again. Now, will this year's Giant team have the same happy ending that that 2007 team had? We'll see, but um, uh, the, the, it's amazing how the cycles, how, how things, you know, it's almost like a cycle in the NFL. It's like, oh, I remember this happened, the same scenario happened in whatever year, and now here it is, it, things are starting to repeat itself. Yeah, what goes around comes around, I guess, Patty, and I wasn't going to go to this topic quite this quickly, but since you brought up 2007, Brian Dable was asked about 2007 on Monday, you know, in the, and he was asked a lot of questions about whether he will play starters, rest starters, what he'll do on Sunday against the Eagles. And he said 2007 was 15 years ago and doesn't matter. And, you know, Giants lore and all of that doesn't matter. What matters to him, I think, very much correctly is – whatever he feels is going to be best for this Giants football team. I have my own thoughts on how this is going to play out for the Giants, but but what is your guess at this point on how this is going to play out in terms of how the Giants will approach this game? 
Well, it's interesting because on Monday when Dable was speaking with us, later on in the conference call, he spoke about wanting to win every game, wanting to be competitive, which right there to me was kind of a dead giveaway as to how he might be thinking. Now, what I think he's going to do is very similar to what we saw against the Colts, but you know, obviously a little different scenario. By that I mean, I think he's going to rest those who are really banged up and who could benefit from a week's worth of rest. Otherwise, play some of the starters. Don't play them the whole game. If the game, especially if the game gets out of control, like you know, what happened with the, the Colts game, but play some of the starters. Then empty out your bench because you never know when you're going to need some of those guys. So it's almost going to be, I don't want to say like an exhibition type of game because that's not really fair, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see the starters and then they come out, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, because, you know, I think he's going to want to see a, how well have they improved since they last got their doors blown off by the Eagles and B, I don't think he's going to say, you know what? I don't want my guys working for a full two weeks. I mean, People will say, well, what about the injury factor? And that's a valid concern. But, you know, when has Dable coached scared? I, I can't remember him really coaching scared this year. So mm -hmm. I, I can't see him starting this, this week. No, I think I agree with that, Patty. I think, and maybe it winds up looking like a preseason game, whether that's intentional or not. I can see... But there are players like Saquon Barkley who has had a really, really heavy workload all year. I can see him playing very limited snaps on Sunday. I can see Dexter Lawrence getting most of the day off. Some of the guys coming back from injuries getting a lot of the day off. And that makes sense to me. It also makes sense to me to, to be very careful with Daniel Jones in terms of, of how much they – they design runs for him and, and things like that because, yeah, it'd be nice to beat the Eagles, but but knocking them off the number one seed in the, in the NFC isn't the same thing as going up against a 16-0 and 0 team that's trying to make history. It's just not. No, it's not. But, you know, at, at the other side of the spectrum is – if you're the Giants, do you really want to see the path to the Super Bowl go through Philadelphia? So I think there's going to be, you know, I, I don't think the Giants are going to lay down and, and you know, throw their entire bench at them. I, I think they're going to pick and choose their spots. And you made a good point. There are going to be guys who have had heavy workloads that will probably have reductions. Um, but for the most part, I don't see Dable just saying, okay, you know what, I'm going to sit everybody and just play all the backups and, and, and whatever happens, happens. I, I don't think he'll do that. Um, but it's going to be a balancing act, that's for sure. And he's not going to admit to it. He's not going to tell us. And I'm sure the question will come up, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But I, I have a feeling that's what he's going to do. That, to me, makes the most sense. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how he handles it. But uh, I, I don't think he's going to be like Tom Coughlin in 2007, where Coughlin said, you know what? we're throwing everybody out there and we're just going to, you know, see how we stack up and gather Intel in case we face this team again. Patty, we're going to get a Davis Webb to Kenny Galladay touchdown on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh goodness gracious! That'll break the internet. <laughs> oh my God! I think I I think it actually would. It wouldn't wouldn't that be wouldn't that be hilarious? It would oh, actually be goodness. it'd be great for Davis Webb to uh, to to get to throw a a couple of passes on Sunday, but uh, but we'll see. Anyway, I I think it will be really interesting to see how Dayball handles Sunday and. But what I, what I really had wanted to talk to you about, one of the reasons I asked you to come on, is because I noticed in your writing this week at Giants Country that you had sort of traveled some of the same road that I've been traveling and that we've been traveling at Big, Bu- Big Blue View this week in talking about the basically the idea of how in the world did this happen? How in the world did the Giants, you know, basically the worst team in football for the last five years, a team that was basically broken at the end of last year, no salary cap space, rookie general manager, rookie head coach, no expectations, most people picking them to win four, five, six games. And here they are locked into the sixth seed in the playoffs and so I guess the, the the question is, you know, how in the world did this happen? It starts with a structure. You know, I think a lot of us, or I'll speak for myself here. I can't speak for everybody. But when the Giants hired Brian Dable, you know, you, you kind of knew that he was going to be the guy because it made sense with Joe Shane coming down and knowing Dable. But I thought, oh, God, here we go again. First time head coach. You know, it didn't work out with McAdoo. It didn't work out with Judge. What makes them think that the third time is going to be a charm? Well, so far, the third time has been a charm. And I think it starts with the fact that, A, Dable came from different programs, whereas Judge and McAdoo basically worked with the same programs for for the majority of their pro career. Um, Dable also, I, I think, was... I don't want to say more mature. I don't think that's the right word, but he was a little bit more comfortable in his skin. You know, this is who he is. You know, he, he didn't come in all rehearsed or scripted or anything like that. He was very sincere and you felt like, you know, you, and you were at his introductory press conference after you walked out of there, you felt like you'd known this guy all your life because he was just very relatable. So he came in and he put together a program with a structure that, that emphasized accountability, that got rid of the scholarship, you know, that got rid of this concept of, you know, bringing in my guys, regardless if they're better than than what we already have. And I know he's, he's brought in a lot of Buffalo Bills guys, but they they can play. It's not, you know, like a, a Nate Ebner for a Michael Thomas, which is probably the fi- the most famous example I can I can give you. So he did that, you know, he, he implemented, okay, look, you're going to have to work to earn your practice reps, you're going to have to work to, to earn your game reps. So that was a good thing. He named 10 captains. All right. I, I can't ever remember a Giants team having that many captains and they became his locker room lieutenants. And you notice that whether it was good times or bad times, they kept to the same script and Dable said it. And I think, I, I can't remember if you asked the question or someone else asked it. I think it was you actually. And he said, I can live with the results if we lose, as long as we're doing the same thing and we're sticking to the to the process, I don't like to lose, but I can live with it because I know that we've done everything we can to win. And if we come up short, we come up short. So I thought that was really telling and, and, and just 
good insight into um, to how he 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 went about building this program. And I think you put all that together, and then you you throw in you know the uh, the talent, obviously the de- the fact that these coaches can actually teach players. I mean, if I had told you they they would pick up all these guys off the scrap heat and get get them to play at a decent level, you probably would have said no way. But he's got a good staff. He didn't pick just his guys. I mean, just so many things that Dable has done right, and it's showing up now in the in late in the season in the form of a playoff berth. Now, how far they'll go, I have no idea, but you, you're starting to see brighter skies ahead if you're you're a Giant fan. Absolutely, and I think you hit on you hit on a few things that I've written about this week, and, and that we should talk about. I think that for me. I think you and I have talked about this, but one of the most impressive things that Dayball did for me is in the hiring of this coaching staff. He hired quality, experienced NFL coaches throughout the roster. He didn't just go down his checklist of, well, who do I have? Which friends of mine can coach the defensive backs and which friends of mine can coach the special teams and you know, which friends of mine need jobs. I mean, he, he involved everybody in the building in the process and he hired, he hired people. He didn't know. He hired Mike Kafka with no previous working relationship. He hired a lot of guys that he had no previous working relationship with. And you mentioned him being comfortable in his own skin. And I think, I think that that was to me, that's evidence of, of that. And I think he's he's also managed to to get out of their way. Yeah, exactly. He's 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 functioning <clears throat> like a head coach should, overseeing the entire program. You know, it's like okay, Wink Martindale, you set up the defensive game plan. Just run it by me, so I know what we're doing. Uh, Kafka, you set up the offensive game plan, but run it by me so that we know what we're doing. T Mac, same thing. Run it by me so I know what we're doing. And let me give feedback. And I think the other thing that Dable has done um, and, uh, is that he's given everybody in the building a sense of ownership, a piece of the ownership of that program. And I've always said, and, and I think Dable believes this as well, when you involve people and you make them feel like their opinion or their contribution matters, they're going to work harder to see the program succeed. So, that's a smart move on his part. And then, you know, I mentioned him being comfortable in his own skin. There was a, I don't know if you saw it, there was a tweet um, that somebody sent out uh, a message from, from Dable and, and uh, Shane. And I, I took note of how that message was signed. You know, it was very informal. Shane signed it Joe and Dable signed it as Dave's, which mm-hmm. I thought was very informal because it's like, again, it goes back That's... to what I said about, about these guys, you know, like you feel like you've known them all your life, you know? Yeah, but that's, that's, that's who they are. Patty. Exactly. That's, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's none of this stuffiness or, you know, this formality and all this stuff. It's just, you know, they're, they're, they're real people. And I know I've had experiences where I can, I can attest to that where it's like, wow, you know, you wouldn't expect it, you know? And uh, yeah. I, I think they, they show that also with the fans. And, and of course, if they're showing that with, you know, the media and with the fans, you can just imagine what you're showing to the players. 
Absolutely. I kind of got a kick out of the story that Dable told the other day about beating Saquon Barkley in ping pong <laughs> while he was playing left-handed. <laughs> you know, I thought he, that was pretty he, neat, actually. He, he was he's very proud but of that. You know what? But he's, you know what that reminded me of? It reminded me in a way of Parcells. And I told I wrote about this uh, on Giants Country about how Parcells had a way of knowing how to push guys different, you know, guys' buttons. And he knew how far he could push each guy. Now, Dable is not like Parcells in that regard. Parcells sometimes could just be downright mean <laughs> in mm -hmm. some regards. Um, and I told the story that jo George Martin uh, shared with me for my book, how George Martin said there was this rookie in, in practice one day and he kept jumping offside and Parcells got ticked off and he finally called everybody together and he goes, I am not going to tolerate this, you know, bleep. And he says, if this happens one more time, George, I'm holding you responsible. And George is like, what did I do? I'm not the one jumping offside. And, and afterwards, George, George told me he was he was so ticked off at Parcells. And Parcells found him in the locker room. And, 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 he said, and George is like, I really wanted to punch him out. He says, I was so mad at him. <laughs> but then Parcells explained to him why he had singled him out, which was, you know, look, you're the sacred cow. Everybody knows that you're my guy. And if I pick on you, everybody's going to know that nobody is above my wrath. So Dable, in a way, not to that extent, mind you, but he 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 knows how to press, you know, to to push guys. You know, Saquon Barkley. He, you know, he mentioned he talked smack to him and everything like that. You know, maybe with Daniel Jones, they they sat around, you know, uh, his pool drinking beers and, and and just looking at playbooks. So he knows how to get into each guy's. Um, I don't want to say heads, but good graces and build a relationship. And that's what Parcells used to do albeit a little differently. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Dable walked in the door talking about relationship building and, and stepping back and not calling the plays on offense and, and being the CEO type head coach has really allowed him to do that. And that's absolutely a strength of his. And I, I love the story that he told us on Monday and you've kind of, you, you've kind of mentioned it a little bit, but the story he told about really wanting to get to know Daniel Jones and, and wanting Daniel Jones to get to know him and sitting around the pool with Jones and just spreading out a bunch of playbooks on a table and asking Jones to tell him what he liked in these playbooks. Mm -hmm. And I think that's awesome. And 
I just want your opinion on on this. One of the things we've heard it from Ben McAdoo, we heard it from Pat Shermer, we heard it from Joe Judge, we heard it from Brian Dable when he came in. This talk of it's about players, it's not about plays. It's not about the schemes. It's about what the players do best and putting them in position to succeed. The reality of it is, Patty, I think that I've heard it from all of those guys. This Brian Dable-led coaching staff, I think, is the first group that I can that I remember that's actually lived it, that's actually put that into action. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that would have been my next point to make. Dable has come in and, okay, they do have systems, don't get me wrong, but they adapt the system to the talent that they have. They don't try and jam a square peg into a round hole. You know, I think you can make an argument that Judge and his staff did it. You could probably make an argument that McAdoo and his staff did it. Shermer, I don't remember as much with Shermer because, you know, those years were kind of really lean, but, but Dable talks about what do these guys do well and he sticks with it. And it's not a question of, okay, you can't um, throw the ball left-handed. So I, I, but I want you to learn how to throw left-handed Daniel, because it's going to help us. No, it's like, okay, you throw the ball right-handed. We're going to teach you how to throw the ball the best we can, the best that you can with your right hand, you know? So, so there's none of that trying to change people. And I think that's, at the core of what, you know, relationships, because any successful relationship, and this goes for social friends, whatever, you don't try and change somebody. You work with what you've got and you try to enhance that person. Well, then, then, then what have you been giving me grief for, for the last because 15 years, Patty? Because I can. <laughs> <laughs> because oh. I can. No, but, right, but seriously, then. none of us are perfect. None of us are. And, and, you know, the person that sits there and spends a lot of time trying to change somebody, you know, you're just going to end up spinning your wheels at the end of the day and you're going to get frustrated and it's going to lead to a breakdown in communication. It's going to lead to a breakdown in trust. And Dable hasn't done that. It's like, okay, look, I know Daniel, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You know, I being Dable. Um, So we're going to, we're going to work together to offset our imperfections and come up with a plan that will help us win. And that's what he's done. And he's done a great job of it, I think. And I think you've seen that on both sides of the ball this year, Patty. On offense, it's been apparent since day one what the philosophy is that they want to employ. They want to you know, run the football first and foremost, short passing game, control the clock, control the tempo of games, but how they've done it throughout the course of the season has evolved. It's changed as the personnel has changed, as the wide receivers have changed, as the offensive line has changed. And when you think about it, it's the same on defense. Wink Martindale is always going to be Wink Martindale. He's always going to try to put the screws to an offense and send pressure and do all of that. But if you look at the way he's done it and the people he's done it with, they keep plugging in cornerbacks and they keep plugging in linebackers and they keep plugging in safeties and managing to succeed because they're figuring out what these guys can do. You know, 
one of the examples is they're not playing as much single high safety as they were early in the season. They're playing a lot of too high. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with the people that they have. They're running in Landon Collins and Tony Jefferson as linebackers on a lot of passing downs and, and doing some really creative things. They're using people to their strengths. And I just, I find it so admirable and it's like, it's like that. I could have had a V8 moment. It's like, <laughs> this is what coaches are supposed to do. Yeah. And it amazes me that, that, that so many of them don't do it. And I just, I give them a lot of credit for well, it. Well, they're earning their keep. I mean, and, and that was, that was one of the problems I had <laughs> with past coaching staffs. When you only know one way to do it and you say, okay, this is the only way I know to do how to do it. I know my guys really can't do it this way, but we're going to keep on doing it until we figure it out. And, and I know I, I mean, you, you end up wasting time. You end up, you know, like I said, fracturing relationships, frustrating players. You know, what is a coach? A coach is a teacher, a mentor, somebody who's there to kind of pump you up, not tear you down. And mm -hmm. I just feel like this staff that Dable has put together has done the best job out of, you know, the last several staffs. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the last things I want to say about Dayball is he references this every so often, Patty, but he's coached for more than 20 years in the league, albeit this is his first head coaching job. He's coached for probably 25 years overall. He's coached for good teams that have won Super Bowls. He's coached for bad teams that have gone two and 14. He understands both sides of the spectrum. He's worked for a lot of other head coaches he understand he's seen he's seen the ups and the downs dealt with all of it and i think i think that helps him quite a bit because he understands what losing looks like what winning looks like what locker rooms look like in both circumstances um you know so i just i mean i didn't i was just curious if you if you had any thoughts on on that as well yeah absolutely experience you know, I, I, again, we go back to, to Ben McAdoo. He spent most of his career with Mike McCarthy. You go back to Judge, spent most of his career with Belichick or Saban. So, you know, there's a saying that the variety is the spice of life, but you can also learn a lot when, when, you've, when you've, you know, worked in different systems for different organizations, under different coaches. You learn different ways to approach things. And Dable, you know, he, he worked for a little bit for, for uh, Saban, a little bit for Belichick. Um, you know, then he had, obviously he worked for, uh, for Buffalo. He learned different ways to do things because look, Saban and Belichick are probably two of the most successful coaches in college and the NFL respectively. Where was, where's their adverse, their, their adversity. They, they didn't really have any. So, you know, and I think you, you've made this point in the past as well. When Judge, when things started to, to crop up and get, go south, Judge really didn't know how to handle it because he had never handled it to that degree. You know, he spoke about, well, there was a time we thought we would all be fired. And I think they had a winning record when he, when they, he was that was one of the years they won the Super Bowl. I yeah, think, exactly. So what, what, what adversity exactly. is that really? <laughs> but, you know, and then you look at Dable, he's, he's had some lean years. To where it's like, okay, how did we handle it th then? And how do we handle it in the future? What could we do better? 
And he's taken those lessons and just poured it into, you know, his management of this program. Now, again, I don't want, want you to think that I think he's been perfect. He hasn't been, you know, he's, there, there's been a couple of decisions, <clears throat> Landon Collins, not Landon Collins, I'm sorry, uh, Dory Jackson returning punts um, that he has made that I'm like, what are you doing? You know, mm -hmm. but you, I understand where he's, he's coming from. Um, he's also made some really good decisions. You know, I, for example, bringing in Landon Collins and saying, okay, Landon, you're going to be our, our big nickel guy. And everybody was like, well, Landon Collins, you know, what is he? You know, Landon has taken to that role beautifully, absolutely beautifully. And you notice, Ed, he's also been doing a halfway decent job in coverage when asked to cover. Yeah, it's it's because he's being asked to cover in a confined area that he can uh -huh. handle. And Dexter mm -hmm. Lawrence is another uh, success story, you know. Dexter's been playing more, you know, like nose guard and, you know, in that middle there, as opposed to on the end. And look at the year he's having. Absolutely. And Patty, I think you mentioned Landon Collins. And I think that in all of this, we can't forget the job that the Giants front office has done. Yes. Joe Shane brought in a lot of his own people, Brandon Brown, Dennis Hickey, Chris Rossetti to uh, to help with personnel but you have to look up and down this roster and Joe Shane had no money to work with obviously he he had a disastrous salary cap situation that he was handed and to be honest he's still working his way around it I'm as you are I think I'm flabbergasted that he's managed to get through the end of this season without having to renegotiate at least one more big contract. That Kenny he's managed, Galladay would have been the one. That he's managed to massage this salary cap to get through the year without doing that. I think that's a magic trick of... Oh, of it's amazing. That's a magic trick of epic proportions. And the, the other thing that he deserves immense credit for going all the way back to the initial parts of free agency and shoot right up to last week when he, when he added Wyatt Davis and, and Jared Davis to the roster is continuing to make small moves, bring guys who are, you know, out of jobs, bring guys who were on practice squads, bring guys who had no choice, but to accept one year contracts, find useful players who are on the on the I don't want to say scrap heap. I got yelled at the other day when I used the word when I said these guys were on the NFL scrap heap. So I'm not saying scrap heap. All right. I'm not saying scrap I didn't heap. Yell at you. Who would yell no, at you? One of my commenters yelled at me. So so if you're out there, I'm not saying scrap heap. I'm just saying these are low cost free agents who were the Giants were able to bring in. And they're all over this roster. Fabian Moreau, Isaiah, Isaiah. Hodgins, yep. Landon Collins, mm -hmm. on a, Nick Vanette, you know, for crying out loud. Even, you know, John Feliciano is a, was a low-cost signing, and he started it, you know, almost every game at center. Mm -hmm. And they're, these guys are all over the roster. Tony Jefferson's another one. Jason Pinnock. Uh, Nick McLeod. These, they're all over the place. And, and Jihad Ward, don't forget him. This is true. And the Giants, the Giants are nowhere without without all of these all of these really under the radar 
low-cost veteran players that the Giants have managed to bring in so many of them since the end of August, beginning of September, when the 53-man roster was initially set. It's yep. it's an incredible job by them to to add talent without having to spend a whole lot of money to do it. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and then you throw in the coaching, who, which has gotten the most out of these guys. And it's just been a brilliant job by Joe Shane. Um, I don't know where he's going to finish in executive of the year, but he should get some consideration because, look, the salary cap was a mess. I think we all saw that coming. And I think once he has a healthy cap and he's going to have a projected 11 picks, I can't wait to see what he does because this man has been, you know, he, he's a scout by nature. I mean, he talked about getting out on the road. I think every week it was like every weekend, rather, he was at a different college game, sometimes doing two or three, depending on, on the scheduling. That's what you want to see. You want to see your GM take an active interest, especially in the top 100 draft picks um, so that you can get your eyes on these guys and, you know, just changing up the way they, they scout and assemble talent and, and everything. I mean, it's modern. It's modern. It's like, wow, they're actually doing something, you know, reflective of the times. Whereas, you know, in the past, it would be like, well, let's bring in this guy because coach likes him or coach had him, you know, five years ago. And as you say all the time, a player five years ago isn't the same player that he is today. Absolutely. And, you know, Patty, I think that uh, we can't close out the show without me asking you if you ever thought you would hear Daniel Jones and MVP chants in MetLife Stadium. <laughs> Did you ever think you would hear that? I'll be honest with you. I didn't. I'm glad, though. And I'm I, glad. I, he, he, as Brian Dable said, he's earned them. He's also earned the right to come back next he year. He absolutely has. I, I just really quickly, really quickly, I need you to put on your cap analyst hat and tell me how much money he's going to cost the Giants. Ooh. Or put, I, how much money would you pay him? <laughs> the contract that you're at, it, it, it's, it's not going to be a, a cut and dried contract. I think he's going to get a contract. It's going to have incentives in it. Um, so that's going to kind of boost up the value. So I, I do think he's going to be somewhere in that 25 to 30 million range, but it's going to be with the incentives. It's going to be with the signing bonus and it's going to be structured in such a way that if they need to get out of it, they can. I don't think he's going to get a five or six year deal. I don't see them doing that because, you know, as good as he was this year, you got to stack the years up one after another, after another. So they're basically, they started from scratch with him. So I think, got, they, yeah. they, I think they're going to want to be smart, but look, you got to pay the guy. You got to, you got to pay him competitively. I wouldn't pay him the same amount that, you know, Mahomes or, or Josh Allen are, are getting. Uh, I, I don't think he's there yet. I don't know if he'll ever be there, but if you could get him like 25 to 30 million a year, with everything factored in. And by the way, I am working on a, on a contract structure for him. I've, I've been playing around with numbers and different 
mechanisms. See, I tried to get you to spill the beans, Patty. I tried to I tried to get you to spill the uh, beans. Even for if me, I had but... that done, Ed, I mean, I'd have to put it on the spreadsheet. <laughs> it's hard to explain without. It's it's got to be official. Although on my podcast, on the Lockdown Giants podcast, I am you know spoiler alert. Once the season's over, I'm going to do a salary cap show. You might want to pop in. I know you always have salary cap questions because you're always asking me. So you might want to pop in and maybe I'll, I'll show the Daniel Jones contract then that I'm working maybe, on. Maybe <laughs> look at you tease. <laughs> All right, Patty, I think that's a good place to end. Uh, Giants fans, please remember to uh, like, share, subscribe on YouTube and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts across the Big Blue View radio network. Patty, thank you very, very much. Folks, remember, check out Patty's work, Giants Country, Locked On Giants podcast. Please uh, stay safe out there. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, Mom. <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.